Welcome to Full Bloom, the podcast for millennials on a journey to finding purpose and pursuing passion. My name is Martina Lindo, and I believe we can learn from each other's experiences and hopefully help each other to bloom and grow into the people we were always meant to be. Your journey to full bloom starts right now. All right, guys, I'm so excited today to have with me Miss Bria Gillette. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. Hey, girl. So she just admitted to me that this is her first podcast where she is the guest. Um, she has her own podcast called Strength and She, which is also her business name. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people? Hey, everybody. So my name is Bria G. And again, I am the CEO of Strength and She. It's a podcast that helps businesswomen uplift their brands. And essentially what I do and what my overall goal was to do is kind of follow a heroes without capes type concept. Mm -hmm. So I knew that small unpopularized brands really need a media outlet. You know, um, they really need something to amplify their voices. So I utilize my podcast to not only amplify amplify their voices through my platform, but also um, talk about their business, their brand, things they're doing, community service, and reach in, uh, to other people to talk about that as well. Y'all, and it's crazy because she and I just, spent, I know it's, it was at least 20 minutes and she mm-hmm. kind of broke it down, like what she does in her business model. And y'all, if you need help growing your business, she's your girl. Okay. Hit her yeah. up right now, right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, because one of the things that we talked about is podcasting. And, you know, podcasting is something that's relatively new. If you know about it, you know a great deal about it. And Mm -hmm. if you don't, you want to at least try to encompass some type of information on it because it's everywhere. You can't avoid it. And when I started finding out about podcasting, I knew that I wanted to pick it up as a hobby. Right. Right. Um, But also, too, I was like, you know, any new hobby that I pick out to start doing, how can I monetize it as well? Um, Where I feel more beneficial and productive while doing it. Um, So when I started the podcast, I said, you know what? I do want to uplift brands and businesses, but also, too, I want to give myself a reward system in this hobby and making sure that I maximize my full 100 percent potential and knowing that I'm rewarding myself, um, you know, in a way that makes me feel fulfilled. I can get up yeah. in the morning knowing that I'm doing something I love and also to getting paid for it. Look, and I think that that's such an important thing because a lot of times we, even in passion projects, we pour so much time and effort into doing things. And I mean, yes, there's a reward in the time that you, you spend, the the fulfillment that you get from doing it, all those good feely things. However, Time is money and money is time. And so if you can figure out a way to make some money doing what you love, look, I feel like that is the epitome of passion meeting purpose. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think also too, you know, while making money, I think it's also to a great deal on knowing affordability. So when I started it, I knew that um, at first I had to be on a low budget. So if I had to be on a low budget, I can't charge anyone you know, anything ridiculous when yeah. I don't have the the quantitative means or the qualitative means, meaning the quality of the, you know, equipment that I have isn't all the way good. So I think mm-hmm. sometimes when people want to monetize their hobbies, you have to make sure that you're always affordable as well. Yeah. Um, 
and also to affordable on account of your expertise too. So what right. level you're on? Because some people have a beginner's knowledge and like, okay, I want to do a workshop and I want to charge four hundred dollars because yeah, you don't I got four hundred dollars worth of knowledge to share. <laughs> exactly. You know, unless you're gonna break the four hundred dollars up into a payment plan mm-hmm. that somebody pay over time, but. Yeah. Um, I knew that, you know, by me talking to women and like you do the same thing, how we're, we're talking to women, we're getting their stories out, um, we're getting their messages, their brand messages, their business messages, um, talking about how they started their roadmap. I think that is something that's very essential in that. But I also do think that um, sometimes we don't see podcasting as a means of press, Right. And if you get people to understand that podcasting is a new means of press, a new media outlet, and it's on your own terms, you know, like this is your platform to use it how you want to use it and amplify the voices of women of color, people of color, you know, women in general. I think that to provide a space like that is amazing. Um, (laughs) Right. And incredible. And if someone can support you, you know, whether it's monetary wise or sharing their story with you or whatever the case may be. I think the beauty of podcasting is the fact that we can really navigate this space however we want to. And we can also navigate who comes into this space. And sometimes, like I had one woman tell me that when she paid for a podcast interview, it was a sacred transaction because she knew that when she paid for my podcast, that I was going to provide her with a service that would help her business. Mm -hmm. And she trusted me with her money because she looks at her money as a Christian ideal of, you know, uh, exchange of goods. And in this, Mm -hmm. and in this moment, the goods is, you know, featuring on my podcast, getting highlighted, having her business told to people in rooms that she may never be in. Right. So she felt like it was a sacred transaction. And I never looked at money or the exchange of services in a podcasting way as that. And I felt really um, great about being able to have her in my space. And you really see who supports you when, you know, you have those type of people willing to invest. Because I think also, too, when people pay for your services, those are people investing in your dream. Mm hmm. You know, and to have your a community of people investing, and it's okay sometimes. Like I, I have freebies and yeah. you know stuff like that. But I think also too, um, it always feels good knowing that you have a niche that is is not only a niche but a support system as well. Yeah. Yeah. And and someone to validate you in that, like, hey, sister, you know what? I want to feature on your podcast. I'm going to tell my story. And I also want to invest in this as well for your services. And you you do give a great service. You know, Martina, like you, you know, you you do the same thing I do. We create flyers. We talk about people's stories. We give them a platform and a space. And I'm so thankful that you gave me a space today to be on your platform. Oh, my God. Yes. I I think you guys. Remember, I posted on there that I was looking for some more podcast guests, and Bria was one of the people that uh, reached out. And I was so excited when I saw her brand because she's just doing such a great job, really, like telling mm-hmm. people stories and just the vibrancy of your brand. And I guess this is a good segue because, y'all, she is a baby millennial, which I love. <laughs> I love talking to you know the younger generation that's kind of like on that borderline between millennial and Gen Zer. And she's made it clear that she does not want to be. Rep- 
represented in that group of people. Yes. <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> Gen Z is too fast for me. I think Gen Z, you know, like I told you before, creating content for Gen Zers is so difficult sometimes because you have to not only provide, you know, flyers, but it got to be graphic flyers. It got to be visual images yeah, jumping all across the page so and, you know, TikToks. We're bored in the house because I'm in the house bored. Like, <laughs> you know, no one, no one has time for 10,000 TikToks and all of these different dances. Uh, some people got time. Look, I just, I don't know. You know, I, I think the next thing I'm going to have to do for my podcast is come up with a dance because Drake telling them right foot up, left foot slide. I know. I know. It's like every day it's something new. I keep telling my husband though that we need to do one because it looks like fun, like a cute little quarantine exercise. But no, I agree. Girl, I, I'm going to tell you something though. I give them TikTokers credit because I created a TikTok the other day and I tried to make one and I was confused. Like <laughs> I was so confused. You know, the ones where where they like jump up and they got a new outfit yeah, on. Exactly. Yes, yes. Girl, I tried that the other day. I had to, it took me almost three hours to make a TikTok doing that. And oh, it's, it was not good quality. I'm never posting it up. And I said, you know what? I give it to them. This is something that I, I give them credit. No, yeah. Like any other platform, it's definitely like something that you've got to learn and and perfect over time. So look, my hat's off to all y'all TikTokers out there. Keep it going. Um, my son's pretty popular on TikTok. He does the like the little, <laughs> the one where you're like in the crowd and dancing. He's always oh. on beat. So people are always asking us to make more, but I don't know how to do it. It's, it's my cousin and my friends be doing it for me. <laughs> yeah, I tried it that one time and I was just like, you know what? I'm over it. The up, down, bend, yeah, back. <laughs> mm-hmm, no. So let's talk a little bit about you and just, I mean, I love asking this question. Like, what were you like as a kid? Because you seem very mm-hmm. sure of yourself already right. at 23 years young. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Lord, if I had just been doing <laughs> this, I could have been light years ahead, Lord. What happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell me what you were like as a kid. So um, as a kid, I was always like, I don't know. I was like, what they call it, type A on a Myers-Briggs. So Mm -hmm. I was very introverted around family and I was very extroverted while I was at school. Really? Yeah. And I think sometimes like, I don't know. I feel like, you know how Beyonce has Sasha Fierce Mm -hmm. and, you know, and Nikki has Roman and -hmm. she has like Onika sometimes and stuff like that. I feel like my alter ego was when I was at school. Yeah. Okay. Who I really was was at home. And when I was at home, um, I was a big writer. I really when I tell you I really love writing. Temple was the only school that I applied for. Oh wow. Um, so um before I had got to Temple, I told myself that I'm gonna be a writer. And if I don't become a writer and an entrepreneur, it's it's two things. Either I'm gonna become a writer and entrepreneur or I'm gonna to go to Temple. And Temple was the only school, Temple University was the only school that I applied for. And I'm pretty sure that all of my family prayed that I had gotten. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um and my whole entire childhood, I love writing. So I will watch Tyler Perry plays. Um, I can Ooh. do that all by myself. Mm-hmm. Class reunion, Medea goes to jail, um, Medea funeral, Aunt Bam's house. I watched every single last one of his plays. And I even would write my own plays and have my Barbie dolls act out. Like whatever. <laughs> I'm telling you, whatever line they had and whatever script they had, I would literally like make them argue and fight, like as opposed to what 
scene oh we were God. in. <laughs> like what whatever scene they were in and whatever like person part it was, I would make them have an entire um sometimes some people would have like their own monologue dedicated to them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were like telling their mama off or something. <laughs> and I used to collect dolls. Um even if you ask my mom, I had over two hundred dolls. All of their clothes stayed intact, all of their shoes, everything. And they were all brat styles. Sometimes wow. Barbie. Sometimes Barbies. Barbies was like more so the motherly ones because mm-hmm. the Brad styles were small. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, <laughs> whenever Barbie came into the picture, Barbie used to be like the Medea. Like <laughs> You know, like if Barbie come on up in here, no, you know it's about to go down. (laughs) We're off the room, okay? She about to grab the Bratz Dylan doll, you know, rough him up. Mm -hmm. She about to, you know, come in and destroy something, and don't let her get in her car. Oh Um, my god. So, yeah, I would do that with them and I would really read. So I used to spend hours in a library. I have like a library bill even to this day. That's probably like almost a thousand dollars because I still haven't returned like library books from like. Oh, my old, God. Oh, eight, oh, nine. Girl, you tripping. I know. I don't know if the state going to come after me or something. Right. I'll but, cut this part out. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's how it was. But when I was at school and, you know, all of my family members always knew I was always reading, like, you know, always knew I was to myself. But when I was at school, I was a whole different person. Yeah. Um, you know, class clown, always making jokes. Um, I always bust on people and busting was my fighting. So like I knew, I mean, I don't know if I can. Is, is busting I, like roasting or? Yeah. Roasting, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I always knew like I never really wanted to fight. So mm-hmm. you know, growing up in a public school system, um, you know, a whole bunch of black kids and a school where, you know, sometimes even the teachers can subscribe to bully culture as well. Yeah. You know, like I've used to have teachers that if they heard something funny enough, they would laugh too. Oh, and wow. it's sad, um, you know, that I think about it now, but that's very much real. Yeah. Or, you know, somebody would tell a teacher, hey, um, you know, such as I said this about me and a teacher, you know, just would brush it off or, you know, you send that problem child to the principal, then the problem child comes back. Well, what happened? Well, yeah. that problem child's mother is working and she can't come pick him up. So now he's continue to, you know, more. Problems. Yeah. So, you know, and the school was overcrowded and I felt like my means of, you know, fighting my fight, you know, being a dark skinned black girl coming up where everybody wanted, um, you know, a boyfriend like Chris Brown, yeah. you know, everybody like J-Lo, you know, if there was a light-skinned girl that was new to the school, everybody wanted that new light-skinned girl. And colorism was a big thing because the light-skinned girls didn't have it no easier than the dark-skinned girls. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, coming from colorism, a lack of education, you know, children being bored because the textbooks are outdated. And the only time I see somebody black is when we're reading about Brown v. Board of Education or Martin mm-hmm. Luther King, you know, or all of the other generic textbook narratives of black people or when the first black man arrived, you know, on in, in America, as a slave. So it's just like, you know, textbooks is outdated. It's boring. There's no engagement. You know, you're in a classroom where it's overcrowded. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Anybody makes a peep or a sound, it's loud noise. The teacher has to keep stopping. So a lot of times, a lot of, you know, negative things will come out of that. And how I fought my fight was roasting. Right. Um, I never had to fight ever at school because I could roast people really, really, really good. (laughs) And, you know, and I think it came from all those Tyler Perry plates. All right. All right. All right. All right. We finna we finna break it down right now. (laughs) Your head is big. Go girl. Me. See, there's a difference. I think when you said your head is big. I, I like, literally just looked at my, my camera. I saw my head. I was like, okay, that's a good one. But your head is big. <laughs> right. Now, see, I think when you said your head is big, right, that's like Netflix funny. Like I was, I was Cat Williams Pimp Chronicles funny. Like you may have to bleep a couple things. <laughs> In this podcast, (laughs) you know, like I was, you know, Lonnie Love before the real, you know. Oh my God. You are funny though. You are funny. You know, like, (laughs) like, like queen of comedy funny. So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think your podcast is is that. So did you get in trouble a lot for being the class clown? The crazy thing is I was so smart that I could manipulate and construct ways where kids that didn't do their work would get exposed before me. So I would be the one making everybody laugh and everybody Mm -hmm. laughing is in trouble. But I was the one that made the joke to make everyone laugh. (laughs) So (laughs) You're like an evil genius, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's just like you know and out of all of the ones that's laughing they're laughing with blank pages and like my stuff is done it's done no that's <laughs> so, crazy so it's just like you know like yeah she did it she did it but how can you prove that I did it when when my I work just, is done yeah I just did page three to ten you know like everything that is required on the board I just did it and y'all all laughing with nothing done <laughs> Look, y'all, that is that is a powerful lesson. And I hope y'all are listening <laughs> because, I mean, it's true. Like, if I mean, not that you shouldn't be manipulating situations like that. However, yeah. it's, it's it's a it's a mark of genius. So mm-hmm. y'all take notes. OK, so how did yeah. that now translate into the woman we see today? Very powerful, like mm-hmm. in media, like I see you doing interviews with all kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have just seem to have a very strong sense of who you are, your message that you're sharing and how you want it to go into the world. So how mm-hmm. did you build that up? Um, so basically how I built that up is I realized early on that I had really good communicative skills. You know, back in the day, it was called people skills. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I realized, you know, if I can, you know, have an influence on, you know, certain people, whether it's through humor, whether it's through, um, you know, informing people about stuff like you've seen how I just made you laugh just now. But before we were in some before this interview, we were in like deep, heavy business yeah. talk. Right. Mm-hmm. If I can have that type of influence that them type of rhetoric skills, how can I translate that over to what it, what it is that I want to do? Mm-hmm. So I knew when I came to college that I started to have an interest in radio. So as soon as I came to college, I joined the radio club and I did radio for about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Right. And when I did radio, I had fun while doing it. Um, I joined the organization. So I became president at NAACP okay. for another for another two years. Um, 
And, you know, after NAACP, now I'm in my senior year and I'm like, okay. In my senior year, I said, you know what? I want to create my own podcast. And I want to create my own podcast platform to speak to women that look like me. I really want to get niche specific. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, I want women of color on my podcast. But in order to have people join a movement, right? Because what we're doing is we're trying to create spaces. And when you create spaces, you want to create a community and not just a virtual community. What I wanted is... Um, something that was a little bit greater than a virtual community. I wanted to kind of be like a deity. Yeah. Where everybody is allowed to be in my kingdom. You know, women that look like me, women that's following my path, whether you're in media, whether you're in public relations, whether, you know, you just have a hobby or you like it. It's something that could be relative to women. And I was always sure on myself when it came to writing reading, you know, public speaking, media. Um, And I was always very interested in having influence over people, but for the greater good. Right. You know, to send off positive messages. And I think there is a lot of negativity in the world. And if I can add positivity and I can add not only empowerment, right, because this new sense of empowerment is loosely used. And Mm -hmm. sometimes when we say empowerment, It's not, it has ill intentions sometimes behind it. And I think sometimes our sisters mean well when it comes to empowerment, but in empowerment sometimes comes greed because, you know, empowerment is something now where everybody can, it's a empowerment is something that's lucrative now. Right. Where you can make big bucks if you just slap women, empowerment, you know, support, uplift and all those buzzwords. And you can literally have tickets going through the door Mm -hmm. because it's something that, you know, people are anchoring towards because now and more than ever, black women need support. We're going to schools at exponential rates more than our black male counterparts. You know, um, we're getting educated at faster rates. You know, we're entry level. We, we have the most jobs where entrep- when it comes to entrepreneurship, black women are killing it. Yeah. You know, when it comes to entrepreneurship and not just your, you know, your average day small businesses, but women are now starting to own and start up companies that are on the same competition level as Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. Yeah. So and, the, and the game is changing for sure. Yeah. So when we're talking about empowerment, right, people want the formula. People want the secrets. Yeah. You know, people need to black women more than ever need to be uplifted because there's so many different possibilities that we can have. Empowerment is kind of like this new promised land, this new American dream uh, for black women. Mm. Right. And because it's become a big business now, a lot of times when people use empowerment, I said it's loosely used because it's not always used um, in a matter of actually being somewhere that is free from ill intent. Mm -hmm. You have to be very careful with that Um, and, and just be careful in general. But. You know, segueing into your conversation, uh, I always knew that I was a I always had influence on someone. Like I remember someone told me, you know, every time you walk into a room and you speak, you have a voice that commands authority. Like when you talk, I listen. Mm-hmm. I, I, I actually agree. I was going to say that, like, I'm listening yeah. to you talk and I just want I just want to like drink. OK, tell me I'm listening. <laughs> I'm buying whatever you're selling. Give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> 
And when someone said that, um, you know, and in biblical terms, that's the sermon, right? Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? I have a greater purpose and I'm going to start my podcast platform to really get niche specific and really help my sisters and connect with my sisters. And if something comes out of it, then it doesn't come out, you know, then nothing comes out of it. But when I started it and I was able to meet so many women, I just know that, you know, when you're working in your purpose because you can feel it. And you know, each time you meet somebody that it's almost therapeutic to talk to, to talk to women. Like, you know, after this interview, I may, you know, of course, you know, eat, you know, lie down, (laughs) stuff like that, but it's going to be on my mind and I'm going to associate nothing but positive feelings towards this experience. And that's what, you know, that's what we live for, you know, and who wouldn't want to live for at least for a moment, feeling positivity and being fueled throughout the day. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that so much because it, it is important that especially in, among black women, and this is something that I've been struggling with about just being a space for black women. Um, But, you know, I'm still the jury's still out on that. But mm-hmm. in terms of being a space of positivity and being somewhere where people can feel fed and just feel inspired to be who they were meant to be, I think it's important because we don't have a lot of spaces like you were saying that are not filled with ill intention and mm-hmm. filled with just, oh, let me feed them empowerment, but I'm really trying to make some money. So mm-hmm. I, I love that. And and that's funny because that's kind of what we were talking about earlier with even monetizing, you know, having guests on. And mm-hmm. it, it feels like that, like that weird balance. Like, well, I really just want to help people. I'm not really trying to make money. But then on the other hand, it's like we all got to eat. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're saying is really true. And people who are looking to start any new endeavor or any new community space to be built up should really be intentional about the impact that they want to have with whatever space that they're making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think I like the fact that you said intentional because I think even when I was younger, everything I ever did was, was always intentional. And mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, black girls, what I realized is a lot of black girls don't really grow up sometimes with, um, having something to identify themselves with greatly. Yeah. I always, you know, I always identified myself through others that I seen like in the media. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Tyler Perry was one of my biggest influences, influencers when it came to writing and to, you know, entertainment. Right. And that was translated, you know, through what I used to do with my dolls. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so seeing him and then, you know, growing up on on I didn't really foster a relationship with Oprah. I had always seen her. But when I was younger, I had like an ignorant mentality towards her. I just thought, you know, I just thought she was like a goody two shoe. Right. Really? I thought she was a goody two shoe. And it wasn't until I was in high school, I read her um, autobiography and it was called, uh, not her autobiography. No, no, no. It was kind of like autobiography, but it wasn't until I was in high school, I read what I know for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that book. Yes. And when I read that book, um, I honestly, I read it and literally I'm not going to hold you. There were times where I had to pause and I'm like, mm-hmm. it's nothing goody two shoe about this woman's life. Girl, no. Like, no, she's been to hell and back more than know, once. It's nothing goody two shoe about this woman's life. 
And mind you, the book was published before um, her sister Patricia even came into the picture. So imagine her even I haven't read her books after that, but maybe she does talk about it or whatever. But imagine, you know, the sister Patricia coming into the coming into play after that book and, Mm -hmm. you know, experiencing a whole new trauma. You know, you lost your sister, your sister died, but now you just gained a sister. But your mom lied all these years. And this new sister looks like your deceased sister, like a split image and has her name. Oh, Jesus. You know, that, that book is yeah, heavy. We're not going there. We're not going there today. Not <laughs> that, that book is heavy, but, you know, um, I, I really like Tyler Perry. I like what he stood for. And I felt like I could identify closely aligned to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be a writer, right? Yeah. When people couldn't understand it. People couldn't understand why I only chose to go to one school. I didn't have any backups. Um, and I wanted to be just a writer and an entrepreneur. Like imagine back in, what was it when I graduated high school in 2014, in 2015, someone saying, um, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship is something that even now a lot of people still look at you like, wait, what? What is that? Right. That's a hobby. That ain't no job. You know, like what's the lesser two evils, you know, being an entrepreneur or being a Forex trader, you yeah. know, like <laughs> they, they look at both of those things as, as, you know, the, the bottom of the bottom, like, oh, yeah. you know, like stop talking about these uh, financial freedom and all. That I, other and, stuff. I, and I was literally just going to say it's because people's mindset are not geared towards being in control and financially independent of an institution or an organization, they feel like in order to have security, they need to be tied to somebody's, what is it, W4, W2, mm-hmm. whichever one you get from another company. And it's like, no, I want, I want to be sending out W9s all year. Take my W9. Like I want to be that free agent that, that I can have control of my time, control of my resources, control of the experience that I have, control of my value. You know what I mean? I think that's what entrepreneurship does for people. But a lot of people have subscribed. And this is something I talk about in my book. Like you, we as a generation have been taught to feel like in order to find your value, you have to find it within the context of somebody else's vision, somebody else's work, where you can find your place and do it. No, I'm creating my place. I'm creating that space where I can thrive and then I can bring other people to along to do it with me. Mm-hmm. So I think we just have to just change our language when it comes to the way that we talk about it so that our kids won't grow up with that same chip on their shoulder about people who want to have their own business or people who are mm-hmm. earning money in a different way. Like, I mean, if anything, this coronavirus has taught us is that <laughs> you are dispensable. Yes. You, and are- you have to be self-sufficient. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, it's sad. What is it? 17 million people f- uh, file for unemployment. Yeah. It's it's really, really, really sad. Like I think about it, like I have friends who like married couple friends, both furloughed from their jobs, like people laid off. Like my own sister, like she lost her job the same week because she worked for an event company. And it's like all events canceled. Sorry. So it's like if you don't have something to sustain you, Sis, what are you going to do? 
Yeah. And you know what? I was um, reading this blog post and I'm a big, I'm an avid like blog post reader. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have selective bias when it comes to certain things mm-hmm. and I'm definitely a Reddit enthusiast. Oh yeah. But like, I love a good Reddit thread. Like I can be in Reddit till I fall asleep. <laughs> um, but I was reading this blog post and it said um, a lot of the millennials. Now I'm a baby millennial, but it yeah, was saying you're still there. a lot of um, millennials back in 2008, since they had already saw the recession and stuff, a lot of millennials that became entrepreneurs, um, a lot of millennials that had became entrepreneurs um, had already saw what, how it was like struggling in 2008. So now that it's happening again, they're well prepared. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, you know, um, like, for instance, my boyfriend, he's, you know, he's a, a millennial and he went through the recession and mm-hmm. the recession was when he had got his first job. And now, like he's going through, you know, we're on the offset of the new recession. Right. I think a pandemic kind of gave it, you know, made it come a little bit prematurely. But yeah. we're we're in a recession now. Um, and. He was telling me like, you know, the the same things that's going on is the same things that happened in a recession. And he's prepared. Yeah. You know, because people went through this before. It's nothing new. The stimulus checks that got sent, they too had to be self-sufficient. And a lot of those millennials became entrepreneurs. So now they're more than prepared because they already seen it in 2008. Um, whereas in 2008, I was a baby. I can't yeah. tell you how old I was, probably <laughs> a, 11 years old. You know, I didn't know much about the recession. So I think even over the, the stimulus checks back in 2008, like stimulus check is something that's new to me. I never yeah. knew the government issued anything of that nature out. So I'm just like, well, you know, I'm like everyone else. Well, you know, when is the 1200 coming? You yeah. know, it's crazy because I got, we got our, the day of the seventh, like the first day it came in, I was like, "Oh, what's this? Okay, I'll take it." <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm child. scared. Like uh, maybe I won't get mines or something. Well, no, like it depends on if you how you filed your taxes, and if you filed your taxes early on, we always file ours right away just to get it out of the way. And then mm-hmm. if you have direct deposit, it just goes right in. Yeah, I kind of was like. Mm, like a little late in the game. So maybe yeah. I, I might get it a little bit later. Yeah, girl. But it's like a refund check. You, It ain't free money. Trust me. <laughs> it ain't free money. <laughs> um, but just in general, um, kind of as we come to the end, what do you or what's the, the best advice you've ever gotten in terms of just pursuing your own business and your own career? Hmm, the best advice I've ever got. Um, the best advice I ever got or gave the best advice I ever gave, I would say mm, do it right or don't do it at all. I like that. You know, I think sometimes a lot of people, especially my generation, now I'm a baby millennial. So a mm-hmm. lot of baby millennials, you know, these days we can go on social media and we can see so many different projections of different people's lives. Mm-hmm. 
whether, um, you know, someone's selling a rich lifestyle, whether someone's a podcast, whether someone's an influencer, a traveling stylist, there's so many different avenues and different industries online. So sometimes my generation being a baby millennial, we can get scatterbrained on things. And another quote that I heard by uh, Sarah Jake Roberts was scattered seeds still grow. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, even when you're scatterbrained, right, just do those things right. Yeah. You know, like scatter seeds still grow. So if you feel like you're all over the place, if you are making sure that you are given all of those scatter seeds, you know, as, as much as you can, right, like 100 percent and everything that you can do, just know that scatter seeds still grow and you can still nest, you know, small hobbies and, you know, small things and allow them to potentially become something else. You know, there's yeah. a lot of things in life that I want to do. Um, that I do and in small ways now, you know, I want to get into corporate podcasting, right? So I'm a podcaster, but I also want to be a teacher. Wow. I also also want to be a professor. So that's why, you know, I'm here at Temple University and I'm getting my degree and maybe somewhere down the line, um, you know, I may pursue like my master's. Yes, or, girl, do it, do it, do it. You know, I, I don't know. I got to get out of this real quick and be a little removed. Of- no, yeah, I definitely agree. I needed that gap before I went back and got my master's because I, I wouldn't have been able to do it back to back. I needed that time to like decompress. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, um, so for that, I think sometimes and, and I have my hands in a little bit of things like I want to start a blog and I'm taking my time with that. And I think sometimes, yeah. you know, people sell this image where, you know, you have to do one thing. You know, you got to translate and do one brand. And mm-hmm. I talked to one woman. This woman has five podcasts. Wow. Right. And all five of them. Now, I do believe in mastering certain things before you move on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've done podcasting. Now I've mastered podcasting. Now I want to get into blogging. Let me find out how I can master the blogging avenue. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've always been passionate about writing. You know, how can I sharpen up my skills on writing? So there's so many different things that you can do and so many ways in which you can grow and still be a student. Never think that you're an expert. Yeah. You know, you are a consistent student, you know, and life is going to keep giving you lessons and teaching. So continue to be a student. You're not an expert. You don't know everything. That's what I always have to tell myself Mm -hmm. Um, and appreciate, you know, being a student of life. Yeah, I love Um, that. You know, and I appreciate being a student of life. There's never too many books I can't read, never too much knowledge that I can't fulfill. Um, And there's never too many hobbies that I can't get in that I can master. So, um, you know, coming out of that, uh, you know, talking about scattered seeds and and still growing and what Sarah Jakes was talking about for everything that you do, you don't have to just do one thing. And the lady, like I said, that had five podcasts, all five of her podcasts talk about different topics. She does one podcast um, and, you know, she likes it and, you know, it's like really, really niche specific. And then she does another one and she keeps doing it. And I even thought to myself, like once I'm, um, I want to close out strength and she, Mm -hmm. 
So I want to do 100 episodes and I want to close it out and maybe run an internship program where um, the interns still host Strength and She and they still follow, you know, my set of ideals, my business model, my structure, but I I give it to someone else. Mm. I love that. You know, like you have, I think, that's that's what it matters. And once I give strength and she to someone else to still have, you know, my house of values and my foundation and my image, they can work through that and build their own podcasting platforms or mm-hmm. learn about podcasting and, you know, go on a journey of interviewing girl bosses around the city mm-hmm. and girl bosses around the world um, and utilize that platform until, you know, it's time's up. <laughs> and I, I, I want to, you know, and, and that's what I want to do. I want to close it out at episode 100 and I want to start the Bria G show where let's hear it yeah you know um so the Bria G show will be open to all audiences and I think it just will pay homage to um not just brands and entrepreneurs but you know even people that have short stories that they want to share it's one guy that reached out to me um he's in prison he has a podcast and his podcast Yes. That that's amazing. I need he's, I need to find him. He's wow. serving he's serving a lengthy sentence mm-hmm. and he reaches out to me, sends me his podcast from behind the walls. That's crazy. And basically what he does is he calls on a collect call, like a prison call, and calls like his friends, and his friends record the phone call as he does the entire episode. Wow. And then they distribute it online and everything for him. Talk about a a support system. And he's a blogger. Um, So he has his own blogs on Medium. And his blogs, like... They they're very constructed, really beautifully. He's a great writer. Like, you know, at first I had my reservations. I was like, "Mm." but when I read them blogs, it really speaks to the truth and realities of someone that comes from an inner city metropolitan area that is succumb, you know, that is circumferenced around poverty. Mm. From the education system to the home life to, you know, dealing with peers. So I think that, you know, his his podcast is is really good. And if somebody can do it behind the walls, you know, and then also also be an avid blogger at that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just like, wow. So um, I want to do the Bria G show and I want to have guests like that because right now Strength and She is very niche specific. Which mm-hmm. is fine because that's what I wanted to do. Um, but when the Bria G show comes around, it's definitely, you know, gonna take a fire by storm. Yes. Okay, sis. Well, we are looking forward to it. Yes. And I'm looking forward to you featuring on my podcast pretty soon. Hey, okay. I'll do it. Hey. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Um, You definitely have inspired me to, first of all, the wealth of knowledge. I think when you can articulate yourself clearly about any kind of subject matter, it already gives you a, a, a leg up on your quote unquote competition. So I love that you take time to research and understand what you're doing before you kind of put yourself out there. So for all you multi-passionate people out there, take Bria G as your example that you can do it. You can do anything you put your mind to. You just got to put the work in. 
Yes. Scattered seeds still grow. And there are no shortcuts. You got to do the work. Yeah, I, I agree. Do the no work. shortcuts. You got to do the work. I heard somebody, well, someone offered me if I paid them $2,500 to give me a verified Instagram um, check. And oh. I turned it down. I told them, I said, I want to get it the right way. Yeah. Like, I, I want to be very, when I get verified, I'm actually verified. Yeah. I want to do it the right way. And the 2500 was discounted, was a discounted price. Wow. It's not, it's not 2500 I think it's like ten grand to get a verified check if you want to pay for it. Mm. Wow. And I told the person, I said, nope, mm-mm. Okay. there's no shortcuts. Because even if I would got that verified, people do their research. People are yeah. not slow, you know? Yeah. yeah. So do the That's- work. I love that. I hope y'all are listening. Hope y'all took some notes. And where can we find you, Bria G? So you can find me on Instagram, B-R-E-A dot G. So that's Bria G. And you can find me on Twitter, Bria Gillette, B-R-E-E-A. And then if you hit G, I should come up in the search portal. Mm -hmm. And you can find me on LinkedIn too, Bria Gillette. I'm everywhere, (laughs) all major platforms. And um, you can find the Strength and She, www.thestrengthandshe. I know strength sometimes is a little bit hard to, you know, type because you'd be like, ah, is the G or the H or the T? <laughs> um, but it's www.thestrengthandshe.com and you can find all information on me, my podcast, and listen to a couple episodes too. Yes, and I will make sure to link it in this the show notes in this episode. And y'all, please just go out there and do the work. I'm I'm really inspired by Bria today because I just think that it's inspiring to see young people. I'm talking like I'm old, but Young people actually like, you know, pushing and doing their work to get their dreams accomplished. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think when it comes down to it, I have an old soul. Like yeah. I, I have been like 35 for the past 10 years <laughs> and I can't wait till the day I turn 35 because then I'm going to feel 50. Um, oh, God. But, you know, it, it's hard sometimes, um, you know, just being an entrepreneur just in general, because even now at 23, you know, there's 14 year olds, you know, being pro- pro- producers for companies. Yeah. Yeah. Company. Yeah. Um, but I think in general to be a person of color and to create a space for ourselves where we can be as creative as we want to. And we put it out there for people to critique. People don't even understand that. Like we put ourselves on the line. A lot of people mm-hmm. listen to their voice yeah (laughs) you know and and we're doing it every day so I want to commend you two um you know for having full bloom and providing this space for me to come on yes yes. let's bloom let's bloom let's bloom full bloom yes all right so please check her out on all the platforms and we'll see you guys next week bye Hope you enjoyed today's conversation in bloom and don't forget to rate, subscribe and review this podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next week.